Hey everyone, this is Shane Phillips checking in, or for some of you guys, Coach Nathan. But to those who are listening out there, uh, I thought I'd find a way to give you all some information about my approach to training and just different aspects of track and field in general. This probably isn't the only podcast or platform that I'm going to create this summer or going into the summer. Um, but in large part, this one is going to be focused on track and field and this, the training components around it. Um, but one of the main reasons I wanted to do this on some kind of platform was to dispel uh, a lot of the information in response to a lot of the questions that I get. And when I say a lot of questions, it's really not that many questions. They're pretty spread out, but it's also indicative of a lot of the experiences that I have from a coaching standpoint and from an athlete standpoint as well. Um, but a lot of them are from direct messages and then otherwise just experiences in general. So I don't know what platform I'm going to use, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, Instagram. You, you'll, you'll figure it out based on whatever you're watching this or listening to this on. Uh, now, the first topic that I want to address is kind of a big one because this is just based on what somebody had asked me many, many moons ago. Like this is some point in like October or, no- or November. One question really isn't really one question because it's going to end up having a lot of layers. But the bulk of the question was based on a student. He had sent me a message over Instagram, a DM, and this was in regards to his potential um, as a track and field athlete. Now, he's a sophomore. Uh, he gave me his 100 meter times, 200 meter times. So for the 100, he was running 11, in 11.6. For the 200, he was running a 23.5. And he had also mentioned that he'd been lifting you know, moderately for about four months. Other than that, he hadn't really been doing too much from a training standpoint, just because he also mentioned that he doesn't ex- exactly have the best coaching system at his high school. Uh, at this point, I'm recording this. This is basically at the end of April now. So he's pretty much in the bulk or the, the early, the inception of his outdoor season. But it'll be interesting to see what the trajectory of his time and improvement looks like based on his circumstances. To start out with, I haven't really been able to see him run or train or get a temperature of his work habits are. Otherwise, it's always going to be hard to grade potential. You know, we talk about talent identification and talent development. It's it's probably one of the most important, but one of the most difficult and complex processes in sports in general, regardless of what it is. Setting that aside, people often say that the prototypical thing in regards to training is you've got to work harder than everybody else, or you've really got to want it in order to be great. Relax. Okay. It isn't wrong. It's not wrong to say that, but an accessory I'll say that you really just need to be smarter than everybody else too. You know, strength and end athleticism will only get you so far in this day and age because we're essentially in an era of freak athletes everywhere, regardless of the sport. So back to the times. They're pretty decent. 100 meter, 200 meter times as a sophomore, or in the case of Canadians, if you're unfamiliar with that terminology, grade 10 students. In regards to training, I feel like he should really focus a lot of the mechanics at this juncture you know he, he most definitely can see improvements in those times before the end of his outdoor season you know you can see a jump from what was that time yeah you can see a jump from an 11.6 getting that faster but it's just going to take quite a bit of time and patience and a meticulous training approach and i'm not exactly sure if he has that just based on the not so forgiving um description he gave me about his coach but given that he's a sophomore around 15 to 16, 
it's it's a good time for him to introduce a lot more sports specific skill development and training at least four times per week you didn't mention you know he's been lifting for a little bit of time so it's definitely a good time to do it you don't have to lift when you're in grade nine it's really not that necessary you really just gotta focus on getting your speed up and running the right right way form is a really good foundation to build off of at that juncture in your career especially as a freshman or grade nine grade 10 you should have spent enough time on that but again that's never something you get rid of or stop working on you work on your form throughout the duration of your entire career but you work on different things along the way of course you just keep building on top of that that good foundation you want to establish for yourself now this kind of sends us down a rabbit hole because you know that kind of begs the question how often should I train and what should I be doing generally well it kind of depends on where you are in your career you know what I often say is <clears throat> there's always gonna be this general trend from a track and field athlete perspective and that's that some days are going to be more technical you know I listened to this this short video covering Alicia Newman's training approach and this is something that's pretty well encompassing the uh, concepts that I've always believed in and this isn't just something that's exclusive to pole vaulters. Some days you're not going to be sweating as much, you're not going to be burning as many calories, but you're truly dissecting the movement of focus. Other days are going to be a non-stop grind and, and that might be when you know, you're lifting a bunch of weights, you'd be asking why is this so damn heavy? Or you're doing a lot of running. And I often tell people for me, like Tuesdays, Tuesdays throughout the school year, that's usually one of the longest days of the week for me just because that's when the workout is the toughest from an aerobic standpoint you know since tuesday for me is a heavy sprinting day you know whether it's a set of 150s a set of 200s maybe re repeat 400s um but beyond that that's what tuesday looks like monday it's mostly core training and active recovery you know i'm back on the grind uh, on thursday that's when i'm doing a lot more skill work school skill work plyometrics a lot of uh, form specific activities just letting my body recover, getting back into the motions. Then Friday workouts are pretty long, but they're not as horrible. I like to say that Friday workouts are at least three hours at best, and that's when I'm doing some kind of explosive training. You know, sprint, uh, block starts, perhaps I'm moving quite a bit of weight, some med ball stuff to stuff to wrap up the day, and maybe a little bit of plyometrics. But again, it's pretty well encompassing what I would do throughout the week. And back on Sunday, back into the weight room, back in the basement, I train at home. That's when I'm doing some general bodybuilding exercises. But you know what? The end goal is ultimately to get faster. Now with all of that, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and some Sundays, you know, that's, that's you know, about four to five days of training. And sometimes I can do without the Sunday just because, to be honest with you, I got other people to train and I've other got other things to do. You know, adulting and life happens sometimes. Now this next part is pretty important too, so you should probably write this down. Now generally, when we talk about speed and speed endurance, it can be kind of sticky, but the frequency of training should be about two to three times per week for about 20 to 30 minutes, uh, sorry, 20 to 45 minutes each time. And keep in mind, that's 20 to 45 minutes out of your total practice time, right? When I talk about two to three times per week, it doesn't mean two to three practices only per week. It just means two to three of your practices out of the week are gonna have a 20 to 45 minute segment where you're dedicated towards speed and speed endurance training. So an example of one workout that I would do would be six rounds of a 150 meter dash. With each approach, I'm telling myself, each one's, I gotta get to in this 20 second split neighborhood with three minutes of rest between the first three rounds, all right? So I'm gonna try to break that down. 
during the first 150 and completing it in 20 seconds. Right after that, you rest three minutes. Then, second round, another 150. After that, rest three minutes. Third 150, at that point, a seven minute rest. Because the approach is to have a seven minute rest between rounds three and four. And, and with that, just because as you as you get and persist later throughout the workout, it's getting tougher. It's getting tougher. So at, at that juncture, you really need a, a long enough recovery time just to get your body ready. Because after that, you're going to be doing that 150 three more times. Again, we don't necessarily have to get into the science or the biomechanics of the recovery time and process. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that a conversation later. But again, this I just want to keep this as simple, <laughs> simple and understandable as possible for the first podcast. Now, again, the first three rounds, again, 150 meter dash in between rounds one and two and in between rounds two and three naturally it's going to be that three minute rest now once it comes between rounds three and four you have that long seven minute rest and then you have the rest of the workout round four five and six again you're still running the 150 meter dash but this time the rest is going to be four minutes and the approach with this is like obviously you know lactic acid starts to build up this is really really tough from that standpoint, you're going to need a little bit more rest with the intention of running the same 20 second or in that neighborhood 20 second split. If you can run faster, that's always great, but I'm I'm not as blessed <laughs> as a lot of you guys out there. So I try to aim for about 20 seconds for each split, but all together encompassing about a 23 minutes. If you're strict with this workout, if you are strict with this workout, it's going to be 23 minutes, right? Give or take. And obviously that's not necessarily including, you know, your your 35, 40 minute warm up, but that's essentially what you want to go for. And it can be tough, but you essentially really have to be disciplined with yourself. And this is something that I see with athletes at the high school level all the time. And some university athletes or college athletes when they're not when there's nobody there to help keep them accountable if they don't have the self-efficacy to do it themselves. If you have three minutes to rest between rounds, Let's just say it's between round three, two, and three. If you're already starting to feel a little bit, you know, let's let's, let's set that aside. Let's let's approach it as if it's between rounds four and five, right? You just ran round four of your 150, and you're resting. You're already laying down, which you probably shouldn't be, but you're already resting for that for that four minutes. And it gets to the point to where it's three minutes and maybe 10 seconds, and you're still laying down you already know how far you are from that start line. You probably have to get up at three minutes, take your time to walk back to the start line and get ready. So when that four minute rest time is over, you need to go. You need to go. That's basically what it's about. You don't get an opportunity to rest. You don't You don't get to tell the starter, hold up a second, I'm not ready, give me an extra 10 seconds. No, you gotta you establish that precedence in practice and say, you know what, I only have four minutes to rest. I'm gonna take three minutes to feel sorry for myself. I'm gonna take one minute to get up get back focused, get back to the mindset, walk back to the start line. So by the time that four minute clock is down to zero, I'm ready to go for round five. That's the approach that you need to have for every single workout, especially a workout like this. In regards to maintenance, that might surprise you. But research actually shows that a week focused on maintenance, speed maintenance is consistent with about one two days at the max of speed and speed endurance training now some people take it too far thinking that you know every training session and every week as a whole needs to be high volume and high intensity but there are also people that don't fully understand how periodization works or the or the concept of accessory training 
and it's it's a sticky it's a sticky concept it takes a lot of time and patience and understanding of how the body works and just a very long-term athlete development way of thinking but in terms of maintenance you know you really got to try to include things like free weights med ball exercises calisthenics for the core a lot of plyometrics and that's ultimately how you get to a place to where you're stronger jumping higher and running faster and i know technology is changing and all this new equipment is becoming a lot more accessible to us we think we need to do so much more different new dynamic things and the sport is getting more competitive you know pressure is elevating and you might think you have to train two times more than the person next to you but <laughs> relax i mean planning out your year and and a week as it comes is a big task but that's all you really need to do you know there's no need to reinvent the wheel this is a concept that that middle and long distance runners understand better than anybody else because they have a true understanding of periodization you know i personally was never super athletically gifted so i had to learn to be smarter than everybody else you tried different things during your off season just to see what worked and find different ways that you can possibly improve i mean that's what i had to do and it wasn't the worst thing in the world There's this concept of sport form, and that's the level of development of athletic abilities at a given time compared to what is required in competition. So you know, if you play hockey, which is a great example, you know, I played throughout high school. If you play double A uh, hockey in that division and you have a double A skill set, that's great. You're in a you're at the right sport form. But if a year from now you're still at that double A level and you have to move up to triple A division, you're probably not in a necessary sport form. It only makes sense. You know, you need to be methodical about how you go about practicing before you want to move up to a much more uh, skilled environment. Now, from a track and field standpoint, I I've heard of one or two stories, actually a couple, you know, one that's personal to me about an athlete I'm training right now who decided to train with a team wherein the team members were naturally faster than they were. You know, a lot of them had a lot more time in the game, a lot more experience, and just, you know, initially were more athletically gifted. As you'd expect, there was quite a learning curve for him and conditioning required for him to close the gap between him and the rest of his contemporaries. The only problem was that not very much learning was happening, at least not the type that he needed. And to be honest, the other athletes had issues that they needed to fix too and weren't entirely getting addressed along the way. The only difference was that the other athletes were just already faster. They were, they were already further ahead and not enough was being done to ensure individual success or just generally long-term athlete development. And I say this because there's a couple of phases you wanna address in regards to long-term athlete development, especially as a track athlete. Number one, the building phase. Your training program for the entire season needs to consist of a little bit of everything. And when I say that, it's going to start out with some progressive overload. So with the intention of increasing the amount of work that an athlete can carry out over the duration of the season. And that in large part will be associated with increases in muscular strength, power, and endurance. You're also going to need to develop number two, basic athletic ability. So these would be physical, motor, and technical. And basically what that means is that physical abilities include speed, maximum strength, flexibility. Uh, motor abilities would be agility, balance, coordination. And then technical abilities include 
the ability to read and react. Understanding, you know, for example, different phases of the 400, right? Knowing when you should kick, knowing when you shouldn't, knowing when you should make your move. And altogether, it's just being smarter from an intelligence standpoint. You're not just trying to get physically developed, but you're trying to get mentally developed as well. But overall, during the building phase of your track season, the intensity of the exercises aren't always high. They are marginally, but it's still necessary to build the proper foundation of sport form in this in this part of your training training year. The second aspect is consolidation and stabilization. So the first part was building phase. The second, so basically two and three, I put those two things together. It's basically consolidation and stabilization. Now these phases are characterized by an increase in leveling off of sport form. Now during these phases, the training becomes increasingly sport specific as you'd expect. And athletes reach peak sport form during the middle or the end of their stabilization phase. And this is necessary because you really gotta have an appropriate approach to your entire season. I see this all the time. Guys and girls are running the best times maybe in the middle of their season and then they never run faster than that. It's just kind of stabilizing. And I often say you don't wanna get to the point to where it's two events, well, two races before, you know, in this case, TDCAAs, Metros, or OFSA, in the case of Ontario track and field at the high school level. And you know definitively that you're not gonna run a faster time. That's not exactly the most confident position you wanna be in. You wanna have this mindset where you know that you can always run faster, all right? Uh, Jeremy, one of the guys that I'm training with right now, he says you wanna go into every single meet with the approach of PRing, right? But if you don't, it's not the worst thing in the world because you know that you're always gonna have more work to do. Of course, you wanna run faster, you wanna train hard, but that's really only in preparation because for a lot of the, a lot of the guys who are injured, for some of the some of the females out there, you know, who don't always get to run as much as they wanted to, for some of the for some of the athletes in general who just don't always have the greatest summer and are kind of just training through the season, that's when you legitimately have to approach each track and field meet with some purpose and saying, "Okay, this is my opportunity to see where I am right now. I have this meet today." You know, this meet next week, this meet in the next two weeks before I compete at the meet that essentially makes or break my season. So you want to approach each meet with a sense of purpose. There's there's no such thing as as a meet that doesn't matter. As or a, there's no such thing as a meaningless race. You gotta approach every week with a sense of purpose. Now I say this because you don't want to be breaking down and running your slowest average times than getting injured by the end of the season. You want to be running your best times then. You know, certain training days and weeks are going to be harder than others, but the program needs to be planned so you don't get ran into the ground. That's ultimately that's that's ultimately the focus.